It's all coming back, it's all coming back to me now. Greetings and salutations and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. We are so glad to be stuck here together with you. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. My name is Chris and I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week I'm joined by the superfly space guy Mac. What's up everybody from a social distance? The gore lover Alexis. Hey everyone. The Carol the Creeper Ryan. Hiya. And the Scream Queen Paris. Hey sweets. We're taking a brief trip back to the early 2000s this week, but before we do, let's address some follow-up. All right, so we've recently asked everyone on Twitter if they thought that the movie April Fool's Day that we reviewed was a hack or a slash, and we got a nice comment from one of our fans, Amber. She said, first off, great episode, everyone. Thanks, Amber. Me personally, I love this movie. The twists and turns, it keeps you guessing. Definitely a classic in my book. Have a great weekend. We hope you have a great weekend too, Amber, and... As a follow-up for Chris's 80s slasher challenge, we actually have her watching a movie that Amber recommended called Maniac. Chris, what did you think about that one? Oh, yes. Ooh. So here's the thing. Has anybody else seen Maniac? Nope. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Okay, so Alexis, you for sure need to watch it because Tom Savini both did the effects for it. He did the original Dawn of the Dead, and he was in the movie. And the gore in it is insane. Ooh. It is insane. You would appreciate it. And Ryan, there was a moment that I thought you would like because there's this point where a woman is walking to a subway and she doesn't see the guy following her at all. She's just kind of going off her own intuition. And uh, it ends up being like this like cat and mouse kind of chase. But the tension there was done so well. I just feel like it was something that you would comment on. But that movie, I had to like double check and I had to like write up right back to Amber. I'm like, yo, are you sure people aren't supposed to like this? Because it is amazing. Maniac for sure got a slash. Check it out, folks. It's available on Shutter. Hmm. Now, we don't have a slasher for you this week, but we do have plenty of gore. Uh, we're back at it again with another look at a directorial debut of a figure who has made a mark on the horror genre. Eli Roth first introduced himself as a director to theater-bound audiences back in 2003. Now, this film was the lowest-budgeted film put out by Lionsgate that year, but it also turned into the most profitable horror film that year. The story features a group of young adults trapped together as they suffer from a horrifying flesh-eating virus. This week, we're talking about Cabin Fever. Who saw this before watching it for our show? Definitely me. I think pretty close to when it came out. So I actually was pretty confident that I had seen this movie, and then as I was watching it, realized that I hadn't seen this movie, which I think is so weird. I, rem- I, I like feel like I knew about it. And then as I was watching, it, I was like, yeah, never met any of these people, never seen any of this stuff happens. Did you watch the remake? I don't think so. Because when I'm thinking of it is like, maybe I would have maybe watched it like five or so years after it came out or something like that. And I, I definitely knew it existed. And I think I just talked about it with people, but I never saw it. That makes me feel good. I just wanted to be on the podcast today and have some people ha- hadn't seen this movie. Because to me, it's a classic for Alexis. So <laughs> I've of definitely course. seen it a few times. <laughs> I actually saw this movie in theaters, which is odd because I was 12 at the time. <laughs> nice. I remembered almost all of it, though, because uh, I'd actually watched it a few times after that. Um, in my teen years, I remember this being like one of my go-to horror movies to watch. Uh, but I actually hadn't watched it for maybe... 10 years or so. Uh, So it was really interesting to see how it aged. 
So like Paris, I saw this in theaters. I was 13 at the time and I'll never forget because, you know, I was one of those kids who always wanted to go to school. And sometimes my mom would just be like, hey, do you want to just like not go to school? It was probably the, like one of the weirdest things for a parent to do. But <laughs> on Tuesday, she'd take me out to go to the movies and she knew that I love horror. So she subjected herself to horror movies for me. And we saw this one. I remember hating this movie. God <laughs> I bless her. Bringing families together. Yes. There was a scene that stood out to me in this movie. That is the only thing that really stuck in my mind besides that and like a pure hatred for it. <laughs> but I was excited to see, given some time, give it some space. I'm a totally different person now than I was obviously when I was 13. So it was going to be good to, to give it a, another look. I didn't expect there to be as much relevancy as there was when I like when I as I was watching it, like seeing the interactions and I wrote down a few quotes about like tense moments that happened. I'm like, oh, my God. OK. All right. I get it. I see now why Alexis wanted to do this movie. But <laughs> how did you guys feel while watching it now in 2020 with everything that we have going on? What was that like for you guys? It was definitely cringeworthy. Uh, some of the language you're using, some oh. of the just the uh, characteristics and just how each of the characters are so on point for their for their character and who they're supposed to be to a fact that where I will admit <laughs> it's not a strong point of the movie but like that's where I was like oh shit did they just say that I'm like crap okay and then <laughs> trying to move past it and then keep going with the movie because I don't recall some of this stuff when I first watched it I'm the same Alexis I forgot a lot of the specific language that was used in this film, um, which is weird because in 2003, a lot of those words were thrown around very casually, some more than others. But um, uh, it was interesting to like almost like a time capsule of like what's what acceptable slang was back then. Uh, but ultimately, there were so many scenes that had been burned into my memory that as the movie was unfolding, I was just remembering what was happening every time it was unfolding. There's a particular slur used in this movie that i don't want to say because it will kind of like take away from the shock of it when it's when it happens but uh that wasn't cool in 2003 either and i was like what is happening and there's a whole thing that happens with it but i was sitting chilling you know watching the movie real casually and then this pops up and i was like mm, this is a turn i wasn't expecting here yeah no for sure so that that moment happened and Based on some of the reactions of the characters, I'm like, okay, so like this must have been done some for some very intentional point. And then there's another portion of the movie later on where it completely subverts that. And it's like, there is literally no point to this. It was just unnecessary. I was so yep. afraid that we were going to come in here today and you were going to be like, so this is what they were going for? Because I was going to be like, no. Um, absolutely not. <laughs> the first to say they were going for nothing. <laughs> there were other slurs that were used that, they were never okay. So, like, some of the stuff that was, I know, I remember having, like, heard it in 2003, and I fucking hated it so much, but even that was unnecessary. So, that, like, doesn't even pale, it pales in comparison to the offensivity, uh, the offensiveness of, of the other. And it's just, I don't know, it's, yeah. it's unnecessary. Like, if you're going to throw that around, it better be for a damn good reason, and this time it wasn't. I'm sure they intended for a re like, I'm sure they had intentions, but nothing was achieved at all. Our listeners are like, God, if only I had seen this movie and knew what they were talking about. <laughs> it is an interesting movie to watch in the age of the Rona. Gotta say. 
Uh, isn't it the worst? Every time someone <laughs>, coughs in this movie, I literally want to die. <laughs> my Corona. Oh goodness! And it, it, it's also funny because you're watching it, thinking like, "Don't you know any better?" But I guess back then we just didn't have the education on how to stay uh, not sick. I mean, there was definite social distancing going on. <laughs> yeah, they did real good. Too li- too little, too yeah. late. They they tried some isolation and some quarantine and some social distancing, but then they just forgot about being sanitary. All throughout the middle of it. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. One of the things that surprised me the most was when I saw Ryder Strong in here from Boy Meets World. I'm like, oh, it's this guy. Okay, all right. He looks like a <laughs> like a chiseled young man. Good for him. He opens his mouth for the first time and feels so out of place. And I'm like, oh, I was taken aback by it. But what about you guys? What surprised you most? I think that has to surprise me. Just derogatory language that's used in here that was not fitting in 2003 wasn't fitting in 2020 what year are we in i keep forgetting because i just want to erase this year (laughs) i think that's what shocked me because i never recall that and i think to me it's an eli roth kind of thing to do it's a let me just kind of like throw all this stuff at what i can at people and then see what they can handle because i see like that that kind of like it's like weird and kind of quirky and just like out of place kind of elements of the movie that transfers into some of his other movies too yeah i totally agree with that and then a lot of this inappropriate humor whether it's based on like what they're saying to each other or how they're treating each other and that continues through the whole movie and i was just like what did i sign up for i kind of know when we're going into a an s show of a movie right like i kind of i kind of prepare myself like you know i knew when we watched thanks killing last year i was like man when i turn this movie on it's gonna be a rough couple of a little bit um you're prepared for those things I'm not saying it's as bad as Thanksgiving. I'm just saying when you watch certain types of horror movies, you kind of like prepare for them. And I was not prepared for the type of like banter, the behaviors of these people. And and I just didn't know that's what we were in for this time. You know, oh, yeah, for sure. It definitely wasn't as bad as Thanksgiving by any means. But I did write down in my notes and this was a positive for the movie. This movie started the way Thanksgiving tried to start. But Thanksgiving failed. <laughs> and, like that's really what it is. I agree. Also, the way like every group of people in a scary movie in 2000s started in a car with music. (laughs) In a Jeep, specifically. People trying to hit on each other. True. Some rogue sexual tension. (laughs) Just, you know, chilling. (laughs) I think I was mostly surprised by like how much that I forgot that I remembered from this movie. Because it's been like a decade and a half. And I'm watching like, oh, what's going to happen? And I see it happen. I was like, oh, I totally remembered that that happened. Just like not in its place, but there was like a lot of small details, interesting choice and, you know, random characters that they would throw in for, you know, apparently no reason. Pancakes, just saying. But (laughs) yeah, just so many, so many small details that I was just like, oh, I completely forgot this was in Cabin Fever. And then as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh yeah, like it's all, it's all coming back to you. It's all strangely memorable, even if you've haven't watched it in almost 20 years. I agree with you, Mike. Is it like that as a Celine Dion song? Which Celine Dion song? It's all coming back. It's all coming back to me now. Yes. <laughs> wow, I don't know that song at all. Never I heard that either. song. This is my first time hearing that song. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that is one of Celine Dion's best songs. Yeah, she is iconic. How do you not know that song? It's like the music video with like, it's at night in like this big mansion and the the billowing curtains are like just, you know, like sweeping around and then her boy dies in a motorcycle accident. It's tragic. Drama. Oh, 
didn't know you were such a Celine Dion fan. Question, <laughs> is this the song that was sang to her outside of her limo recently in a video that was viral? Maybe. I don't know. I haven't seen it. That might be why you're referencing it right now. No, I just love that song. <laughs> I had no idea you were into Celine Dion. I actually think about that anytime something comes back to me, that song plays in my head. Yes, absolutely. Also, uh, Leah Michelle <laughs> did a great cover of that on Glee. I'm just saying. <laughs> How off-brand of you, Chris? on brand i'm joking i'm joking Uh you just have a unique multifaceted brand that's what it is because i'm an individual special little snowflake a little human it's eclectic but uh yeah mac i'm in the same boat as you i remembered so much of this movie that i didn't realize i remembered but specifically i'd recently seen just that pancake scene that you mentioned i had seen just that online somewhere and i saw it and i was like this looks so familiar to me and it like triggered all of those other memories and i was like oh this is from cabin fever but i couldn't remember why that was in the movie and i didn't remember how it related but the thing that surprised me the most was probably how much sean from boy meets world is a like a creepy loser douche in this (laughs) for some reason i remember him being like the cool like like main protagonist of it but watching it again i was like He's so lame, such a creepy perv, and eventually just, like, loses his damn mind. Also, in my notes is, that guy's a (laughs) fuckboy. Accurate. Classic textbook definition. So this movie, while it wasn't personally scary for me, uh, it did have some really intense gore, and there is a a moment that happens in it that I even wrote down. I was like, man, I fucking hate this, but, like, in a good way. But I really do hate it, but like it's actually kind of memorable in a really interesting way. The tension and I think looking at it with the filter of everything that's happening right now, I think some of the interactions you have introduce this like, man, I would be afraid of someone reacting that way. People who just, just suddenly lose all semblance of empathy. And that's probably the only thing that I found frightening about this. But what about you guys? Oh, I felt no fear. There was no fear in my heart while I watched this. There was definitely like some super intentional jump scenes with like uh, loud noises and stuff like that. No, I, I, I wasn't afraid of this movie. Even with the current situation. I don't know. It seems, I think the way they treat each other kind of like takes me out of the reality of it almost. Like like I don't relate to these people that much. So the, the things they're going through, I'm just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> I could totally agree with that, too, because I'm like, yeah, it's a little, like, hokey-pokey, kind of, like, yeah. <laughs> they're just, I think it's terrifying, like, uh, just seeing, I th- the gore, it, to me, is kind of terrifying, like, yeah. just these, like, sores and coughing blood, and we'll talk a little bit more about it, but just the scenes in those, to me, are terrifying, because I feel like I've seen enough of movies like that, that I think it's real. The projectile coughing, definitely not physically <laughs> real. <laughs> I'm thinking people are going to start bleeding from their eyes and all sorts of stuff from, uh, was that outbreak? (laughs) When I'm going to the grocery store. So, I mean, we'll see how it goes. Oh, God. You never know. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely would say I'm more scared of people at the grocery store than I am of this movie. (laughs) Although, right now, everyone at the grocery store is still getting too close, which is why it's scary. It's like, stay away, bro. I don't know if you've washed your hands. I don't know if you cough in your elbow or what. Do you touch people at the grocery store? No, but they get really close to close to me. And I don't want to breathe their air. I want my own air. Interesting. I haven't had that experience at all. Yeah. Well, if you've if you've been recently and I and I run in, I got a list that I know exactly which aisle it's on, and I'm like, all right, let me grab my basket. I got the hand sanitizer in the car, ready to go as soon as I get out. And then, like, as soon as I get in, people are like, oh, hey, how's it going? Like elbow to elbow, and I'm like, nah, like literally squeezing my arms in to stay away from them. 
But uh, that to me is, is scarier right now than perhaps the premise of this movie. Although, I mean, the gore is, is it's hard to watch. Not like, you know, we're not talking hot dog style cuts or anything like that from Terrifier. But I think, you know, it's you get to scenes where there's there's some good like suspense built up and you know it's going to happen. And you're like, I just don't want to watch it, but I have to watch it. And it's it's not like so grotesque that you can't look at it. But you're just like, I just don't want to see this happen to a human being. Yeah, because it seems more realistic. Right. Also, I think we need to count now, not Harry Potter references, because last week it was also a reference to Terrifier Hot Dog Cut. <laughs> Honestly, it's kind of every week. It's yeah. like <laughs> it's like our gauge. It's the gold standard. Yeah, exactly. It's the gold standard of horror. I mean, at this point, we should be spending our quarantine making Hacker Slash Bingo. So true. <laughs> I was not afraid during this movie very much at all. Uh, I kind of feel the same as Mac here. People right now are more terrifying than this movie was. Now, don't get me wrong, like flesh-eating bacteria is one of my biggest fears. But this movie kind of ventured more towards absurdity, just enough that it made it less frightening uh, as a film experience. It was mostly just gross. I will say, I do think that this movie intended to go past the, like, contagion being the fear, and and wanted it to be like the people that are the fear like the way people behave and stuff and and you know that does relate to us now i just don't think the movie the movie is relatable enough to where it it brings the fear to you today no for sure what stood out for me was little moments like um you being sick that's your problem and it just shows that like obviously things aren't going to be to this scale right like it's not going to be as absurd as this movie but it still does make a pretty damn good point in the fact that the second something happens to somebody and they're reaching out for help, people will turn on you. But I think that's what it is. It's like the, the flip of the switch in humans. And humans are barely tolerable as it is. I don't know that I particularly like humans very much. <laughs> so I think that's really what it was that it was probably one of the only good high points in this movie. But you know, while I, I don't think any particular element of it is super original, I still don't know that I've seen anything quite like this uh, in the sense of, you know, it still takes all these pieces that are borrowed from other things, but still feels unique in its own way. What about you guys? I think it was enough to really, I mean, establish an entire career for somebody. So I, I, I think it was definitely, definitely original enough to, to kind of help out Eli Roth, obviously. It's, I don't know, collects elements from other places, but it does it with its own weird style where it can be super serious and super gross, but then also like incredibly silly in parts. I don't know. I don't know if it really defined the horror genre for, for years to come, but it made waves that are still being felt for sure. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I think it's pretty original. You get, you get this fine line between, um, is this a parody or is it not? Clearly, this is not, but you can see elements in the movie that are but i think to me like i definitely wasn't like a haha and then it was thrown off the entire movie i'm like this is just a spoof this is just like teens running in the woods and coughing on each other like you know there's a little bit more to it and and it keeps this keeps you just entertained through these different elements of the movie which i think eli roth put it together really well hmm. i'm interested i i don't really think this is a very original movie i don't know i think because of the way it starts maybe it kind of taints my view of it but the the whole teens going on a trip together thing horror movie i i don't like it i can't think of one 
movie of that style that I care for much. I mean, I'm not, I don't hate House of Wax. I'm pretty sure I called that a slash. I like House of Wax, the remake, but that's the only movie I can think of that has a group of people that are this age that go out and party and like something bad happens that I like. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think the, like the cabin fever part of it is original and what happens with the sickness and stuff. But like the setting is unoriginal to me and I don't like that. I think you're absolutely right, Ryan. This movie tried almost too hard to be original, but in the end it felt like it was just a 2003 interpretation of something that we've seen a bunch. Uh, I I think you're definitely onto something with the title um, because I remember before I had seen this movie, I remember in theaters being like, oh, cabin fever, what is that? Never heard that phrase before. And then I looked it up and it was, you know, when you start to lose your mind because you're isolated in some kind of space and you start to kind of go crazy. So the way that this movie kind of tackles that as a an allegory in regards to the actual fever and disease that's going on was probably the most original thing about it. But throughout the entire journey, it's just like references and like ideas that have already been done and a couple cliches here and there. But overall, I feel like it definitely established a style for Eli Roth's like filmmaking vision. Despite how interesting some of these feelings may have been for me while watching this movie, uh, I personally was highly <laughs> underwhelmed by the ending. What about you guys? The The ending is so interesting because it's, I don't feel like it's what you'd expect to happen in this movie. There's parts of it that you might expect and then it just kind of keeps going to kind of go off the rails a little bit and it leaves you with uh, leaves you with an outlook that's not so positive perhaps. But just like the weird like zany way in which it wraps up, I actually enjoy. I feel like it's it's kind of fun. Uh, well, I guess fun is maybe an interesting choice for that word. <laughs> Definitely Alexis fun. No, I agree. Fun is good. <laughs> it's kind of fun, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's. I think it's a very different ending. I know that there's been sequels and and a remake or whatever, but uh, they obviously didn't need to happen. From what I hear, they probably shouldn't have happened. Um, but this is a movie that could have just like you know stood on its own with this ending still intact, and they could have never made it a sequel straight to DVD or otherwise, and I would have been happy with it. But I don't know. It's it's a weird, like, quirky, fun ending. Yeah, it was something I didn't expect. I think you're, you're left, at least I didn't, but I'm not one of those people that, even if I had already seen this, like 2012 clearly was the last time I saw it, but I still don't remember exactly what happened. I had to rewind and rewatch the ending again um just because i was like i didn't know what character was who at one but i don't know yeah i agree i liked it i didn't i but i wasn't expecting some cinematic ending from you know one of the avenger movies or like something (laughs) like that like i just i was thinking this is gonna be as quirky as the entire movie was and i was happy that it fell in line with that yeah, you weren't accept- expecting a Endgame ending here. Like everything's wrapping. <laughs> Don't up. ruin it yet. I'm only on Avengers too. You're not allowed to spoil Endgame forever. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, one part of the ending, like at the at the shop with a bunch of people, and oh, I was, that was I was like, what's mm, happening? Yeah, that what, was crazy. What is any of this? There's a series of things that happened, and all of it was so confusing and then there's a uh there's a vehicle (laughs) and i like that part because i love a good uh you know 
make you think at the end, like, oh, is it, maybe I was thinking something wrong. Maybe it's this. I love that. I like that. I like some questions at the end sometimes. So it was okay. I would love to interview him and be like, what were you thinking on the ending of this? Especially that scene that you're referencing. I mean, I think we have it confirmed that he did have a giant bag of weed. (laughs) So I may have just said that a lot of things about this movie are cliche. um, But one of the things I remember most is the ending, specifically the final death. I remember when I saw that in theaters, it shocked me and it was completely unexpected, which is something I love when movies do because I have a tendency to kind of figure out where things are going and they end up being usually pretty obvious. That was one of the first times in movies where I'd actually been like shocked and left speechless. Um, And even knowing it was going to happen, watching it again, it still gave me a little bit of that feeling. So I actually really like the ending of this movie and I think it's one of its strongest suits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it left that bit of a taste in your mouth. Is this something you think you're going to watch again? I've already rewatched it and I'll rewatch it again. Yes. I'll probably give it some more time. But uh, definitely, definitely watch it again. Like eight years of time? Yeah, eight <laughs> years, exactly. Yeah, next, next <laughs> pandemic. Yes, exactly. Go for a rewatch. <laughs> I think I would watch it again if it was on, if I was in the mood to watch this movie. Like now I, I, I walked into this kind of blind. I didn't really know that it was going to be what it was. Um, now that I know, I wouldn't turn it off if it came on. You guys know me. I don't really turn on movies to watch them again, but. If I was in the right situation, I wouldn't be upset if I watched this. This is also a rewatch for me, and I think I would rewatch it again. I think it, it definitely holds value, especially if it's been a few years and you've forgotten some things out of the movie. So maybe in my mid to late 40s, I will catch up on it once there again. There you go. Hopefully, there's no pandemic between now and then. Hopefully, there's not another one in our lifetime. That'd be fantastic, but statistically improbable. Um, but yeah, maybe in another 10, 15 years. We'll see. Yeah, I already said that it used to be one of my go-to horror movies, but for some reason I hadn't watched it in like a decade or more. Um, But I do feel like what Ryan said really rings true in that if this movie's like on, I'll put it on in the background. I feel like it's a really good like clean your house while this movie plays kind of movie. I love it. (laughs) For many reasons. Interesting. (laughs) It'll definitely make you clean thoroughly. Um, And then it's, it's not something you really have to pay super close attention to to enjoy some of the moments in it, I don't think. Some people clean their house to Sade. Paris wants to clean his house to cabin fever. <laughs> interesting. Interesting play. I think uh, every time you have an itch or a rash or something like that, you should watch this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is one of those movies that when I saw it originally, I was like, oh, I'm never going to watch that again. And of course, I was like 13. And now, given so much time, I am glad I watched it again and I can have different perspective on it. That being said, I think you guys can figure out, like, this is just not my cup of tea, like, when it comes to horror. Like, that shouldn't be surprising for anybody. I can acknowledge there are some really good points about it, but I think this is one that I will only watch if Alexis makes me watch it, (laughs) (laughs) which is basically how it got on the schedule. There's so much to unpack about this movie. I want to start making our way to our ratings. Now, before we do, Alexis, how many people died in this movie? I'm going to say, I'm going to give my official count as 19 with an asterisk. And we can talk about that after the spoilers. Ryan, what about that animal report? It's a little bit complex. Obviously, this is a movie about being in a cabin. So there's a lot of wilderness and nature things going on and a little bit of country things going on. So there are five not so lovely scenes that could make you sad revolving animals. Some are more implied. Some are not necessarily deaths or anything, but uh, 
there are some things. This is not like the most PETA friendly movie. All right. Okay. So you may get upset. We'll see. Uh, but let's go ahead and start making our way into our ratings. Cabin Fever from the year 2003. Was it a hack? Was it a slash? It was a slash for Mac because of all the quirks. Ooh. It's got some delightful, weird, just odd little quirks that make it a fun watch. Just strange choices and interesting characters. Shout out to Grimm. Gotta, gotta love Eli Roth. But uh, yeah, it's just like just weird, fun choices along the way that I don't think a lot of other movies would have added in. And I don't think a lot of studios would have approved of a script like this. Uh, thankfully, it was made and thankfully we got to watch it. So yeah, Slash. Is that a prequel to your one of your questions on the end? At the end? No. Okay. Because <laughs> trivia, it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's obvious uh, I'm giving this a slash. It, No Kidding, is one of my top five uh, horror movies. I love this movie. Um, even if I watched it in 2012, everyone, you can scroll back um, to see my favorite scene, which we will talk about later. On your Instagram? At uh, Alexis. Yeah, uh, at uh, Alexis. <laughs> <laughs> With a three instead of an E, because she's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I made it, I think, when, well, clearly when I was 22. So there you go. <laughs> that's when the threes and the E's were cool to switch out. I just love how quirky this movie is. And if you know me, I love, I don't necessarily know if people want to count this, maybe when it came out or even now, like as a B-horror movie, but those are like my favorite. Like these weird off-the-walls, like scenarios that wouldn't really happen that are different but revolve in this like hor like horror like universe that have some things that like cabins and all that sort of stuff um and i think it's really hard to like switch you you're leaving from scream to jump to this and then you're going to something into like cabin in the woods and stuff so i think it's a good like transition in horror so yeah i could go on and on so i'm just gonna stop right here <laughs> and be done with my slash i love when you or when it's a movie that you love and you just like go and you're like <laughs> it, it relates to all these things like it's just so lovely alexis exactly. is in her element okay it's like chris right <laughs> exactly exactly so passionate so i'm gonna awkwardly sit here and give it a hack <laughs> i don't like this movie i always kind of wonder if my taste in movies is easy to follow because like Maybe they're like, I like House of Wax and, and I somewhat relate those things that to this, but I don't like this. I don't like the goofy kids saying weird things, treating each other weirdly, kind of all a little bit, not really rocking with consent situations. Like it's just all, I don't know. I just don't like it. And I don't like the like kind of funny, but not quite like a Tucker and Dale versus evil type of situation. And then it's all like very dramatic and like, I don't know, like even the effects and stuff are really dramatic, which I actually enjoyed. But um, yeah, why I, I kind of try to hide my hand a little. So when I said I would rewatch this, I would have to be drinking a lot of alcohol to to leave this on my TV, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um, but I wouldn't turn it off. It's not like it's the worst movie I've ever seen, right? It's, a, it's definitely a taste thing. This is Alexis's taste. This is, I'm like, I'm not Chris Rojas here, but I'm more on Chris's side on this, where it's just not my taste, like... I would like to see a count of how many times they said the F word in this movie. And not that I'm like some wow, saint over here. Oh, <laughs> oh it's so, so many. The, the more important metric is, is F bombs per sentence. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the thing is we do this podcast. We often record on Sundays. I often go to church on Sundays. So it's like 
right after I watch a church sermon on TV because now we're, you know, we're all remote church in it up. That doesn't matter, right? Like, I'm no saint. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying there's things in this movie that are for certain people and not for others. And this is not for me. That's that. This was one of my favorite movies as a teen. And there's a lot of things I like about this movie. The ending, some of the choices that are made. I like the shameless depiction of gore. That's really fun. But I have changed a lot as a person since I was 13 years old, and this movie has not. So it gets a very soft hack from me, uh, mostly because a lot of this movie is bad and not in like a fun way. Some of it's just stupid. Some of the choices make no sense. Some of the scenes didn't need to be in there at all. Um, I'm not even sure why I liked them at the time, but looking at it now, I'm like, "Eh, I guess I was an idiot teenage boy in 2003. So I'm siding with... Uh, Ryan here, and it's going to be a hack for Cabin Fever. Oh, shit. We got a tiebreaker. (laughs) Welcome to the dark side. I mean, we all know what's happening here. You're about to hack this thing up. Come on. So I think one of the things that I'm most proud of, right, is being able to identify when something is like objectively good. It's not my cup of tea. But like, you know, we just had this talk with like Last House on the Left. Last House on the Left is not my cup of tea. It's not something I ever want to watch again. But I have to acknowledge it is a great movie for what it is and Paris I think you and I are really interesting positions because it's like you and I are two sides of the same coin where we were both 13 you know you loved it I hated it and now you hate it or maybe don't hate it but you know you're definitely not on that side of it and I think looking back on this with very interesting context there are some things that are really done well you know, like Mac, you said that this was good enough to start someone's career in a really incredible way. It was somehow the most profitable movie in 2003. But, you know, when I'm looking at this, I think what really what it comes down to for me is this, right? This movie is just weird. And I don't like weird for the sake of being weird. Now, some things are good, but most things are awful and it's mediocre at best. And that's me being generous with the phrase best. Uh, it's a hack. Thank you so much. There we go. <laughs> Mac, I'm glad you're here for Alexis. <laughs> now, that being said, I don't I don't fault Alexis for liking this movie. Like it's a it's a fun movie for if this is your cup of tea. This could not be further away from my cup of tea. It's so not my cup of like this is sweet tea and I hate sweet tea. <laughs> I love lemon iced tea and only lemon iced tea. Oh, for me, this is unsweetened green tea. Gross. Because I'm a southern sweet tea kind of girl. Unsweetened green tea? And I think that here's what really did it for me, guys. Like, there were a lot of points where I wrote LOL. Like, hey, this movie has some really funny moments, right? <laughs> but it's just like texting. Like, does anyone ever really mean LOL? It's like, hey, I'm acknowledging that this is probably a funny thing that you're intending to say. But I'm not laughing unless I put the rolling on the floor emoji. Or I'm saying LMAO. That's the only time I'm actually laughing. <laughs> Here, I'm acknowledging that some things were tried, but the comedy did not land with me at all. I'm so, so happy you guys are on my team. And there we have it. Now, Kevin Fever earned two slashes, two very fair slashes, but it also got three hacks. Now, there's going to be some stuff to explore. There are some really interesting moments that we can talk about, especially that Alexis is going to bring up in the gore score. But you can find this movie available for rent. Have fun spending $4 on it. Three of us don't think you should, but that's okay. We'll see you in a bit. Ah, so refreshing. Just had a sip of Deputy Winston's old-fashioned harder lemonade. 
If you're like me, this hot weather has your throat feeling like you're ready to cough up the lining of your lungs. With one sip of Deputy Winston's Old Fashioned Harder Lemonade, your thirst will be deliciously quenched with lemony freshness and a super fun 10.5% alcohol for when it's party time. Get yourself a six-pack today. All right, welcome back. Cabin Fever from the year 2003 earned three hacks and two slashes. Alexis, what's up with the core score? Honey, it is high. High, high, high. Just like all these kids in this movie. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What I love is this is like pre like torture porn kind of like horror um so i think it really sets the tone for those sorts of movies and i realize that that's not everyone's cup of tea and i'm not saying it's my cup of tea it just depends how fake it looks but it is your cup of tea though right but it is my cup of tea yeah yeah, it is my cup of tea but i don't like it when it's like real you know what i mean like brutality on another person yeah i I mean okay never mind like uh, that just sounds wrong it's more fun when you can like detach from it yes it seems like a movie exactly and this i can i could go on and on about every death in this movie um but i just want to talk about like just uh, the special effects are so great so great in this like you can feel what these people have on their skin at least in i can't they're oozy they're bloody they're coughing up blood which is my favorite thing everyone's just coughing it's like straight like whatever it's really projectile coughs it is instead of projectile vomit yeah and you think when you cough just little you know droplets come out not like uh, like you're almost throwing up and that's what i love about this like it's not supposed <laughs> to be realistic it's not yep. but it is in a certain way um my favorite gory part and fa- favorite scene of any movie ever made ever okay like visually in a horror movie there we mm-hmm. go let me be specific is the part where she is shaving her legs mm-hmm. and i yes. do reference that yes <laughs> that scene is iconic right exactly it's the only thing that i truly always remember about this movie Same. and will always remember yeah it is the moment that i kind of appreciate but really still hate but in a good way <laughs> did you see it coming before it happened like were you expecting it like the first time I ever watched it? Sure. No. I guess it's hard for you I, it's to It's hard. Yeah. That but I'm sure I was just like, they're not going to show this. Oh, I was, she was shaving her legs and I was like, oh, she's going to shave her skin off. She's going to shave her skin off. She's going to do it. And then it didn't happen for a second. And then it happened and I was like, yes. I, may I pose <laughs> but, a question yeah. about the logistics of the scene? Yeah. And I want to know like your interpretations of it. So obviously these sores don't just pop up out of nowhere while the shaving cream is on, right? So that means she had to have lathered up and put the cream on while they were there. Yeah. Now, did you assess her behavior? Didn't realize it was there? Like, just felt maybe like the cream caking on and like she didn't know it was there? Or did you think like she's shaving, she's bathing this whole time knowing it's there? She's definitely knowing it's there. Yeah, she's in denial. What? Yeah. No. Because the horror, when she looks at the leg, seems out of place if she knew it was there. I think it is intended to be like it happens as she's shaving because it's like it's it's in her skin and she's shaving and like you know uh, technically speaking when you shave you remove some of the dead layers of skin there so i think it like came yeah 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 see that's what i thought the first time i saw it but then this time you're looking like you can see the wound already before she even shaves off that part yeah but that's i don't think they're going for 100 percent realism like we were just talking about with the cops and everything ryan is it's just the feeling that you get from that scene. Yeah, because I mean, a, a cheap razor is not a good way to debris a wound. Just saying. God, I'm getting chills. Ryan, you're totally right here. She's shaving off the top layer of her skin and revealing those sores underneath. Because like, 
she doesn't feel it at first because that top layer of skin's like already dead and like gross, but she hadn't realized because there was no like abrasion. Like when she's having sex with Sean from Boy Meets World, he like does that thing on her back and then like you kind of start to see it develop because that some of that skin was coming off. Ooh, true. And if that's not what they were going for, that's what I want them to be going for. Okay. I want I want her to be shaving and it just (laughs) pulls off her skin. See, that's what I also want them to be going for. But then they slipped up on the effects then because you can definitely see before she starts shaving the leg, you can see the wound peeking out from underneath the cream. That's why I was like confused by it. Because she had already shaved that part. She didn't though. Oh, true. This is one of those like books where you, it's like, choose which way you want to go. Do you want to think about it this way or you want to think about it that way? So go. this movie can be whatever you want it to be. Choose Aww. your own shaving adventure. I want it to be good. I just think it fucked up that part. I'm con- I'm going to continue to think that she was just in denial and like wanted some sense of normalcy with a little self-care and then had to like accept the fact that her, her leg was rotting out. Yes, because I can understand that. And this might be TMI for our audience or for you guys. But like there was one time where I had a uh, ringworm. And I literally like didn't know I had it. Well, I don't even know how I figured out I had it, but it was like right here. And I started like scrubbing my skin. This is back in high school. Uh, And I started scrubbing my skin so hard. And like, I was like, okay, if I scrub this, it'll go away. Like I knew that's not the logistics of it. And then I started breaking out in highs and having a panic attack because I was scrubbing so hard. So I can see where she's coming from. Like you, you're hoping it's not there. You're just going to keep going and with on with your life and clean yourself and maybe it'll go away. Can I just point out that Alexis was, when she said right here, she was pointing to her torso near her armpit, not to any other part of her body. Because it's a podcast, they didn't see you pointing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Podcasts are famously a visual medium. My bad. Yeah, it was right slightly where my bra band would be on the side. Yeah. (laughs) And this is when our our listeners petitioned for us to start filming everything. Fantastic. (laughs) If only you could see the hot mess that is us Yeah, I don't want to have to put makeup on every time. I have a face for radio. So (laughs) this can't happen. There's not enough camera for beard. Speak for yourself, Mac. We look great. Okay. Yeah. Well, it must be nice. Okay. To be pretty. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I, I really want to know. So I can, I don't know why, but I can't f- pick out like a favorite death. Like I love all of, I love every single thing for what it's meant to be. Um, I think the most impactful for me would have been um, the douchebag at the end who's like screaming. <laughs> yes. Because I think I'm like, oh my God, he's crying over his friends being dead. No. Wow, I think his character just changed. And then he starts laughing and saying, I made it. I made it. And like, that's so crappy because I could totally see that going on in a world like this. People are like, you know what? I'm not helping you, you and you because I'm looking out for myself. Um, And then he's just getting shot. And I love it because they're just like, shit, we need a clear house, guys. Everyone's everyone's dead. Put them in a pile. We're burning it. We're good. So I think that was most impactful for me. He's like the kid down in Florida. Who's like, we've been planning spring break for like two months or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if I get dude. it, I get it. <laughs> yeah. What about you guys? He is also my favorite death just because it's like, if we're going to have chaos, let's have chaos. You know what I mean? Like, let's let's just, let's do it. And uh, that was definitely the scene for that. And I don't really, I mean, I f- completely forgot he even existed, possibly by choice. 
not not accident, but um, because he was a coward. Yeah, he's a coward, and like running out. I mean, there's just so many things that go on with the deaths in this movie, but that one is just definitely one that I think is like another notable scene where he's just like, "I made it." He's done. I definitely see how you guys are feeling. I actually wrote down in my notes that Jeff coming out of that hole is all of us coming out of this quarantine, like just stumbling out, really confused. <laughs> also kind of afraid still, maybe. But my favorite kill, hands down, is the guy with the fucking harmonica. Is the goofiest oh. thing. It was the goofiest well. thing. The silliest thing. But he just like, all this tension and these fights are breaking out. He still goes back to play the harmonica again. Like, what the hell? And then uh, I didn't catch it at first. I had to actually rewind it that he got bonked on the head and then somehow swallowed the harmonica and it's like just like in his throat. It was a little bonkers <laughs> little thing going on there. Yeah. See, now that, it, not to say that I actually thought it was funny. It was one of those like an LOL kind of moments for me. But that felt more like the slapstick kind of comedy that they had probably been intending to do because this movie is a horror comedy. But very little, little of it feels like successful comedy. I think that was just like the one shining moment for me. That was like a Tucker and Dale versus Evil Death. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that was a whole shit show. I'm, I'm gonna refrain from saying all my <laughs> commentary, but it was him just throwing up on the guy, and then this, oh, you know, I have to shoot you, and it's like, yeah, what? <laughs> He's coming at him. Yeah, it was, it was a crazy scene. What about you guys? The guy dying at the end the douchebag with the blonde hair that was definitely the best death it was really surprising when i first saw it it was still satisfying when i watched it again now partially because his character was such a douche but at the same time i probably would have done what he did in like a everybody get the fuck away from me i'm gonna go hide until this is all done kind of strategy i feel like that was the way to go to be honest because everyone else got the disease and died and that was very nasty um but one death I do want to acknowledge is when they're telling that uh, ghost story about the guy in the bowling alley. Oh. I remember the bald guy's head in the ball return machine after being like decapitated and then the guy goes bowling with his head. I saw that <laughs> and this was before they introduced Eli Roth's character. And I was like, is that Eli Roth? I thought he had a bigger role in this movie. And then later <laughs> in the credits, I realized it's a different Roth. So it's probably his brother or cousin or something. But they had the same eyebrows for sure. That's funny. I didn't notice, but I could see that now, now that you say it. Yeah, that was Adam Roth. Oh, there we go. I like that whole scene. Like, I mean, it did feel out of place like they didn't need it, but I think it was just a way, you know, I included those deaths in the, um, like, body count, but I think it was crazy, like, they would tell the story and, like, then show it, too. Yeah, that was a fun little, fun little section. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's tough for me to pick a favorite in this one. There, there are some, like decent really kind of independent deaths in here and i don't know if i have anyone that's favorite i will say when rider strong you like knew where i was going yeah oh my gosh did i when he was like going on his rampage um with the townies coming to uh to take him out and he stabs the uh the big guy in the head yes yeah so the only reason i'll pick that one is i want to know what was in the kit <laughs> he's carrying around this little box. They told him to get the kit and you never get to see what's in the kit. That's a very J.G. Abrams mystery box angle. I want to know what's in that thing. And he got a screwdriver or whatever he got to the head. 
So I, I need to know what's in the kit. Just saying. What's in the box? Exactly. I just assumed it was more shotgun shells, <laughs> which is underwhelming. Go get the I'm a F you up kit. <laughs> That's true. What if it was like a first aid kit and they were like, all right, this guy's obviously infected, but we'll take care of anyone else who's okay. It was the antidote. Right. Oh, God. Yeah. When, like, when he started that rampage, when he came in, I felt like there was like a change in his character. Oh, 100%. Like, I thought he was, I mean, okay, in the beginning, you do, you're like, oh, the, he's the nice guy, and all these kids are like twerp, stereotypical, like selfish, conceited. You know, you got the jock, you got the rich kids, you know, you got the, you know, I'm the cool, like, I saw them all in high school. They haven't changed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I then the whole scene where he gets cringy with the girl. Can I mention something while you're on that scene? Yeah. The sound effects of stirring mac and cheese while he's <laughs> fingering a girl that's asleep really unsettled my life. Oh, it was so gross. I think because I was sore, like, oh my God, is he doing this right now? You would have to really pay attention. I think because I have, we have a sound bar, it, 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 it heightens things. It was mm -hmm. genuine. I mean, I mean, literally, Alexis, you know the sound that I'm talking about. Stirring mac and cheese. Yeah. Stirring. It, that's what it was. Like the slurpee. And the concept, I think, is be <laughs> is because of the gooey, bloody situation that comes, obviously, after. But as it was happening, I was like, because I didn't want to see that scene. And then as it was happening, I was like, wait a minute. I like looked away for a second. I was like, oh, that's the sound effect we're using for this scene? Yeah. This is not, it's no. it's going to haunt me forever. Anyway, I'm sorry. I just had to mention no, I, that. Just a bowl full of mashed potatoes. Oh, This like must be the wettest mashed no. potatoes ever. Very moist. No. <laughs> Mac and cheese, a little juicy Blech. in the pan before you put it in the oven with the breadcrumbs on top. Creamy mac and cheese. Give it some stirs. <laughs> Damn, I never had that kind before. You need to bring that over. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about how he was touching her wound and actually thought he was doing stuff to her? That's how clueless this guy was. Classic men. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so once he did that, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is just like a shit bag. Like, what the hell? He is. He was just like, now he's going off like, like killing the his friend like he killed the girl he kills a number of people in this movie and i get some are because they're coming after him but he killed his friend like instead of trying to save her the blonde and i was like are you kidding me like this guy deserves to die and he did well that this is this is classic nice guy behavior right here mm -hmm. mm. so he really revealed himself to you be mean the fuck boy character exactly okay yeah, that's what nice guys. That's Ugh, just another I word hate for that. Fuck boys. Yeah. And what's frustrating about that is in 2003 he was looked at as the fucking hero. That is what's frustrating about that. Yeah, that's funny because he's definitely not the hero in this. I wonder have any of you watched Boy Meets World or was like really into it? Oh yeah. Oh, I love Boy Meets World. Yeah, I watched it a ton. I seen it. Did you see this and it changed your mind about him? Because I never seen it. So. It it is it is weird. I feel like to see actors who were in like such a like like wholesome show for so long and then turn around and play a completely different character in a completely like different type of thing. But look at all the other stuff he's done since then. Like, um, Gr girl meets world. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how I feel about Nev Campbell. Cause she was always yeah. in party of five and I was like, Oh, hey, and then <laughs> he was in borderland. Oh, cool. Yeah. And a movie called The Penthouse. B-Horror. <laughs> and a movie called Summertime Switch in 1994. Come on. Yeah, we've all heard of these movies. And a movie called Tooth and Nail from 2007, which sounds like something I never want to be on our list. 
Come on. He's he's got a good yeah. record. All I'm going to say is the guy who played Bert was in more recognizable movies for me than Ryder Strong was. And that makes me a little sad for Ryder Strong. Agree, agree, agree. It's because his name yeah. is Ryder. <laughs> Ryder Strong. He, he really, it looks like he tried to branch out and it didn't go as expected. He should have gone back to network television and got, you know, just joined a bunch of like sitcoms that got canceled after two seasons. I recently rewatched all of Boy Meets World because it's on Disney Plus uh, and it used to be one of my favorite shows, but I feel like it wasn't the most ridiculous path for Sean Hunter to have landed down. You know, he was like a downtrodden white trash kid. That was his thing. So I could see him like trying to clean up his act and then like something like this happening to him. And he's like, well, you know what? Fuck it. I'm being typecast at this point. <laughs> but you were, you were able to get more emotion you know, like you were able to empathize with him in Boy Meets World, especially with everything going on with his dad. Oh, yeah. He's a good actor for sure. He had me so tricked in the beginning of this movie. I feel uh, he's very deceitful. That's how they do it, Alexis. That's how they do it. They come in nice and then you realize that they're not going to go away without what they want. I, I just want to clarify. Chris is, when Chris says they, she's saying all straight men. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Definitely not. I'm saying all fuck boys. Yeah, it's okay. Yes. The girl that he's been in love with since middle school is riding in a shed, but he's going to play peeping Tom on some random girl mm -hmm. that he's, you know, Also a scene upon. that should have been deleted. Yeah. Also, what was that scene? Mac is a straight man. I don't think he'd do this. No, I'm sitting here watching this movie judging him. To your point, Alexis, what was that scene? What was that scene? I do admit this movie doesn't have, has some low points. Like, and I think that scene, pancakes is irrelevant other than the <laughs> most horrible haircut I've ever seen in my whole life. Wow. The whole N-word, unnecessary for no yeah. reason. And then the ending, just bringing some black people in to pick up a gun. For what reason? Nobody knows. And they knew them. So that's why I was like, yeah. Mm. This could be a great backstory. Yeah. I wonder what it could be, but you never know. Yeah, there's uh, just there's things. There are things. It was just like racism as a punchline. It was really just Eli Roth's attempt to say, "No, nah, I'm not racist." See? Yeah. I literally, I literally can't come up with a thing that they were trying to do with the whole N word at the beginning and then the end thing. I can't come up with an explanation for it. When I was 13, I thought it was very funny. You, you thought it was funny? Yeah, because it was a bait and switch. You know, you think that the guy's this like racist backwoods hick who has a gun for anybody that looks at him the wrong way. And then at the end, it's revealed that actually he's like very cool with people of color. And it was at the time something that I'd never seen before. And I was like, oh, I definitely didn't see that coming. Um, so I think they were going for comedy with that, but it did not age well whatsoever. Nope. Yeah. I don't think that was even well in 2003, though. No. I think it depends on where you were geographically in 2003, but it definitely was not something that was cool with me. I also get the feeling that that's like kind of what he was going for in this movie is a lot of things that like we're looking back on it. But even then, a lot of this stuff was like, what's happening? And I feel like that's what he wanted us to be feeling like. It's all kind of like a I'm going to do this uh, either ironically or like in a joking way that's not actually funny or you know like try to put it in your face or something like that yeah and what a, what a poor usage of that sweet old man from north carolina <laughs> who up until that very line was just like super nice and helpful and was getting in their sandwiches and you're like oh what a just a genuine genuinely nice guy real talkative like all good southern folk you know yeah when you're southern you gotta like throw out all those extra details that nobody asked you for you know like tell you what they did last week and who they talked to and what the person that they talked to did that's some midwest shit <laughs> bam oh no that's some down south shit though that's some some down south yeah that's some backwards shit i have a question for everybody like on the topic of how offensive this movie was at times um 
there was a lot of like casual use of the word gay in place of something being like stupid or lame, which I feel like everybody did back then, myself included. Like I was gay, but I would actually use gay as to mean something like sucks or like isn't cool. But how did you guys feel about that? I feel like Chris has something to say. Oh, no, I hated it then. I hated it now. Um, I've never been someone who uses that at all, probably because I was also the only gay kid I knew growing up. I'm very particular about words and words have so much meaning. You know, there's there is some terminology that within the LGBT community is okay to say that still makes me cringe and I still find really offensive. It's it was super indicative of the times. I mean, this is something that happened in high schools and middle schools like everywhere. And it never it just like never made sense. And and now watching it, you're like, why would you say like it? There's a point where where writer strong's character is is like talking about his feelings um for the blonde girl and she and she calls him gay and i was like that literally makes no sense you have a, you have a straight man expressing his interest in a straight woman and she's calling him gay for that yeah just like it never made sense back then and it still doesn't make sense now to you know look of course looking back we've had almost 20 years of growth as a culture and uh my gosh, has it been slow? But even now, we can still look back and be like, what were people thinking? Why was this a thing? So this is like what I'm saying where I think he's like intentionally doing certain things because there's also like the sex scene at the beginning where the guy's clearly has having something up his butt, whatever it is, whatever's happening. That was ass play. I think that the use of that word in that way and the scenes like that like i think that all of that is intentional now is that good is it necessary should it have been done those 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 things could all be argued but i don't think it was an accident that all of these things occurred in the same movie yeah i think it builds the i mean whether it needed to be or not i think it just set the tone for the movie like this raunchy like debauchery like group that's just there for sex drugs and a good fucking time yeah so had to get them titties in early i can give it a pass if it was done like once or twice but then there's so many times in secession that it was overkill and i'm like okay well fuck you guys like and i think maybe that's just me like in think about 2003 2003 i was in the peak of being fucking harassed every single day called a dyke called fucking gay whatever so that was not a good time for me to like be at the movies like just seeing even just that shit was like another like little slap in the face so, you know, some people might hear this and think that I'm just being overly sensitive, but, you know, realistically, it's just who wants that when you've been on the receiving end of it in a negative way? Who wants that in a movie? Yeah, I, I think everything was just like over the top in some ways, maybe good and some ways bad. I just had like a different interpretation just because it was truly a word that I would throw around all the time back then when I was a teenager. And I was also bullied for being gay. So it wasn't for me, it wasn't a word that had anything to do with what it actually meant. It had been completely re- like appropriated to just mean like, oh, that sucks. Um, and I didn't understand like the effect that it was having, like me casually using this word, like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. That's gay. Um, and how that I was actually, I guess, changing the way people perceived gay as being like inherently negative. Um, but do you guys remember that Hillary Duff commercial where she's like, th- there's like two girls shopping and she's like, oh, I don't like those jeans. They're gay. And she's like, Hillary Duff comes over. She's like, you know, you shouldn't say something's gay when you mean that it's dumb or that it sucks. Those are cute jeans, by the way. It wasn't until I saw that commercial that I was like, oh, I guess this does have an impact, uh, the words we use. So thanks, Hillary Duff. She'd have been disappointed. Are you saying Hillary Duff changed your life? Is that what you're telling us here? 
Oh, yeah, for sure. She would have been definitely disappointed with these kids. <laughs> we'll have to tag her in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys remember that commercial, though? I've never seen it. I have vague memories of like a campaign of that sort happening. I never saw the commercial, but man, did I love Hillary Duff growing up. Had a huge crush on her. It was like a full on PSA. I didn't really intend to talk about like Disney stars so much on this episode of Cabin Fever. (laughs) (laughs) The review of Cabin Fever on Hacker Slash. Obviously, there's been a lot to say about the gore and just like how brutal it was. But was there anything in this movie that stood out to you guys visually beyond that? I loved And I don't think I noticed it ever before watching this, but like the lake scenes. Hopefully I didn't take away your thunder. But um, I just love like you're looking at the lake and it always looks so pretty. The sunsets in certain scenes, there's like a sunset or a sunrise um, over the lake and it looks so pretty. It's And then you realize it's what's causing or the water supply is actually what is making all these people sick and will in turn make everything else sick. So it's like this weird like catch 22 kind of thing. It looks cute, but it's actually deadly. Like me. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Now that's on brand for Alexis. I'm kind of sad I didn't notice that while I was watching this, but I could totally see that as something they would do. Um, for me, it was the the campfire story. I loved watching that. And obviously, it was like pretty brutal. I, there's a part of me that thinks it's probably because I wasn't fully tapped out of this movie yet at that point. But um, it was like one of the first scenes where like a lot of stuff is going on. And it's not just the group of teenagers traveling or maybe not teenagers, the group of young adults traveling in their car to get to a place to do a thing. Um, So it's like a super cool scene with like him telling the story and it flashing to the bowling alley and like organs and body parts and stuff going down the bowling alley. It's, you know, not very kosher, but um, I love that. Like it's just fun to see that happening. And I like the way they shot that. It's reminiscent of the pie eating contest from Stand By Me. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've seen that movie either. You know I haven't seen that movie. Oh, you are doing yourself a disservice. Have you met me? Stephen King. Yes, indeed. That's a really horrific scene. I'm sorry. I'll watch it for you. You absolutely should watch this for you, though. <laughs> you got two movies you got to watch now. That one <laughs> and Maniac. Basically, if there's a Stephen King movie, you should watch it. I'm not saying it's necessarily good, every <laughs> Stephen King movie, but you should still watch it and have you know have it out of your system. But I'll Stand By wait. Me was amazing. <laughs> I'll just wait till we review it. Yeah, well, okay. Cause, cause I don't know if it's, is it horror? I, oh, I don't know. Yeah. The way you said it, I assumed it was. Yeah, it's okay. But it, it reminds me of that scene where like it's the story within the story, and it's definitely like so far above and beyond what's happening in the actual story. I don't know. It was just, it reminds me of that. And it's like really fun. Um, visually, that was fun. I actually liked the red vision we got. Definitely. So I think we're seeing like two parts. And this is probably why some of the characters start acting differently. But people start getting sick. At a certain point, they are acting like, like rabies um, infested, where they're just like really rabid and really aggressive and like trying to hurt each other. And, you know, if they're animals, they're attacking people or have sex. Mm. Yeah, the, you know, that I guess it's amplifying that desire. Um, Shout out to that handle of Listerine. Oh, that is one of my favorite scenes from this movie because it's just so ridiculous. But uh, yeah, that red vision, though, I think they, they could have probably used it, you know, more if they if they wanted to show that people were having this cabin fever mental kind of um, reaction during the movie. But that, that was kind of like just a really cool look. When the dog had it. Oh, yeah. It was so cool. The like chase scene with the dog. And oh, the, yeah. Oh, it's great. Watch your shins. Just saying. 
I mean, for me, the the visual of just like a hot woman crying while shaving her legs and then like shaving the top layer of skin off really just takes the cake. Uh, but we talked about that one already. Uh, so I feel like my second like most visually impactful moment was actually the scene with Dennis on the bench uh, the second time that they revisit that. Um, just like a blonde kid with a mullet doing karate for no reason, for some reason was just like <laughs> burned into my mind. And now that I've, I've, we're all in quarantine, right? So I binged Tiger King. I feel like that Dennis kid looks like a young Tiger King. Yeah, you're right. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. I loved when we revisited Dennis that he still, like he actually had a sign behind him now. Don't sit near Dennis. <laughs> yeah. They put the sign up. <laughs> so good. The leg shaving scene, I, so I don't have a favorite scene. I think the the use of red, obviously, is something I'm going to like. Uh, but the leg shaving scene was probably the most notable one. But let me tell you about my favorite moment. That very took a hard turn and a quick pivot to being really bad. Uh, it was Marcy. And Marcy, I think, had one of the only good performances in this movie for me. Um, she, was, she seemed like the most capable person the most clear-headed uh, and trying to think and it was that moment where she talks about she equates it to, like being on a plane and you're just going down and you know you're gonna die and she's like freaking out because they're all gonna get sick but then of course she pivots and goes you just want to look at the person next to you and have one last good screw and i'm like what ridiculous <laughs> what? What? is this a thing like do people as they're dying really just want a bone I love no it. yes no alexis does no one <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm team that. I found her to be the most relatable, especially in that moment. I was like, well, you're not wrong if we're all going to die. But then she was also really bad at sex. There was just like a lot of shoulder pushing going on. <laughs> oh, my God. I literally said that. I was like, nobody rides anything like this. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like what you might do if you're if you're trying to like pin somebody down and hurt them, perhaps. <sighs> yeah. Yes, that's when she was rabid. Remember? Oh, that's true. <laughs> It is Good interesting point. that they cut the scenes that would have shown them uh, getting closer throughout the movie. So this scene definitely came out of nowhere. Where it was like, why are they even interested in each other? That's what the whole movie is about. It, none of it makes sense. Oh, I just figured they were just there. Right. No, they, they had some scenes where they were like getting closer as things went on. But unfortunately, whoo, cut out. You know, because good guy, once he realizes that the girl he's into isn't going to give him attention and he sees that the another girl is abandoned by her douchebag boyfriend he thinks he's better than, he's got to move in for the mm -hmm. kill. <laughs> also, I'd like to note, he kind of actually was not really moving in for the kill. He was like pretty apprehensive about it. But gosh, the idea of having sex with a woman, even if you don't think you should, it's just unbearable. You just can't turn it down no matter what. <laughs> Even when you think you should probably not do it and you need to pour a bottle of Listerine on yourself to clean yourself and then ask if you should wear a condom. He didn't even really <laughs> want to, but man, you just Ugh. can't you just can't give it up. And then she so ironically says that it's uh that she's clean and healthy. Yeah, okay. of course. Uh-huh. None of you can be sure. But Chris, to your point, she did have some really like beautiful, soft Rembrandt lighting on her face when she delivered the first half of that monologue before she turned to him. Oh, she was so good. Yeah. That moment lost me because I think like that was such a good opportunity to ground the movie and balance out the missed comedy, right? I don't think he wanted balance. <laughs> no, of course not. I think this is exactly the unrest they were desiring. Yeah, but it's also a bad idea. So there it is. Unless you're going to go Tucker and Dale, it's just a bad idea. Are you saying we should redo this? <laughs> and put all of our... I always thought about that. Which horror movie would we remake? That Because we had all great ideas on how to make it better. We've huh. got a few on the list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This would be my number one. <laughs> it's easy. We're going to have to do a draft. 
part of treatment. Uh, th- that was something that, like, when, um, you know, I recently learned from Mac that the remake has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. But it, the one thing that I knew about the remake was that Eli Roth really liked it. So I find these two things to not make sense. I don't think I like Eli Roth very much after <laughs> after everything we've talked about today. I was actually thinking that earlier. I was I was actually thinking that earlier. Have you guys seen? Are you about to talk about how hot he is in Inglorious Bastards? <laughs> of course not. I was about to talk about how hot he was <laughs> and how smart and everything he is. You talking about Sergeant Donnie Donowitz? Yes, he has developed into quite the daddy since this movie. In this movie, he was gross with that little, like, what's that called? That little piece of... Soul patch. Soul patch. He had that gross soul patch. Ugh. He's got the worst accent uh, in this movie, and it's, which is funny for, for a guy from Newton to, like, put on this, like, you know, SoCal, like, surfer accent, but... He, um, actually, I don't know if anyone's seen his, um, show History of Horror. I'm, like, obsessed with it, just, um, if any of our viewers. It gives you, um talks about scream it talks about like iconic um films throughout horror history and then just what brought about certain changes in um that sort of genre so if anyone's on the lookout he he is the guy who narrates it so if you don't like him you probably shouldn't but i think it's well (laughs) worth a good watch i can separate him as a person from his work i know i can't do that for matt damon guys i'm sorry like i hate him (laughs) all around Eli Roth, I will give a shot to. I want to see more of his work, but I didn't realize that, I don't know, I I just didn't connect him and this movie together in my head until now, and this is a poor sample size for me. I So far, he's uh, he's striking out. One thing this movie does bring up, which I think will be great for our end of year list, is movies with the worst cops of all time. Oh, like, yeah. Who are oh, these... Yeah. What is this dude doing? You're talking about Winston? Bro. Come on, Deputy Winston. What a good guy. He's just trying to party, man. I couldn't figure out if he's like <laughs> messing with him, if he's making fun of him, or if he really just, uh, he's calling him the party guy because he really wants to call him the party guy. It is, a, it is. He's such a weird character. And I think if I read correctly that um, Eli Roth wanted to play him until he saw Giuseppe Andrews, you know, portray uh, the, the character during uh, some casting and then he has like a, you know I got to give him the the role but uh, I remember when, as soon as he showed up on screen I was like oh yeah this guy I love this guy so much and my girlfriend's watching it and she's like well he's not a real deputy right he can't be he's got to be a fake one you'll be happy to know he is in cabin fever 2 spring fever fantastic nice Ooh. I kind of want to watch it he reminds me of the cop we have in scream do we I don't know if you guys agree yep <laughs> Yes, Dewey. He reminds me of Dewey. Dewey. Classic Dewey. Oh, he's like C-movie version of Dewey. (laughs) (laughs) He's like scary movie. Doofy. Doofy, yes. (laughs) He's Doofy. That is, that is. How did you guys feel about like how this movie paced itself? I would say I didn't even pay attention to it. Like it was paced well enough to where I didn't even notice. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, like you weren't bored. And I think... I do want, in the beginning, I wanted some sort of action, but I think I got that when you kind of see once the guy falls in the water, they're showing you the transfer of all of it that you your mind gets going. So I think that helps you push forward throughout any of those parts that you might have. The hermit. So he has a very distinct look in the beginning, right? When he like discovers his dog and all that. But when he comes up after being shot by Bert, did he not look like one of the guys from Home Alone? Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> really, I think the real story here in horror is that there are so many Home Alone moments. And if I must continue on my Eli Roth train, 
I want to give a shout out and say happy early birthday. When is his birthday? As this episode releases tomorrow, not like tomorrow for whatever random day in the future you listen yeah. are listening to this. <laughs> yeah, whenever you listen to this, however many years from now you listen to this, listeners, you, I'm talking to you in your car right now. Just go and tell Eli Roth happy birthday whenever it is. <laughs> <laughs> from hacker slash he'll really appreciate it i'm sure eli roth just lives in this uh perpetual state of tomorrow always being his birthday but his birthday never actually comes <laughs> that could be an excellent eli roth movie <laughs> <laughs> the truman show but horror i think the one thing i heard is that like he pitched a sequel that was just going to be all about a lot of sex and a lot of dead bodies and i don't know if that's what the sequel actually ended up being but i think yeah, exploitation films just aren't my bag. So Eli Roth, you're probably really great at what you're doing, man. But I don't think it's kind of something that I'm ever going to voluntarily check out. I think he he could have carried it through his his other movies, like perhaps in Hostel, have like a water bottle from the spring water that comes from the end of this movie, like that. Those kind of things I like. Like you don't even need sequels. Just like bring little bits from the other movies that you've done and tie it all together for me. And I would I would be super happy with that. Especially when he I mean, not saying that he hasn't like produced or been in a lot, but his like there isn't like that many movies that he is a part of that you can think of. I mean, personally, I'm sure there's a lot of like smaller movies that he's done are not well like well known or well received but you know there's like Hostel Green Inferno this one I think there's one other ones but you could easily put little markers that would be cool that would be your Eli Roth thing right this you know tying it all together in the universe like an easter egg like little easter eggs (laughs) yeah I love easter Easter eggs oh my god what would be the easter egg from Hostel probably a travel ad like a travel brochure yeah (laughs) <laughs> can we just talk about the moment where he's in the hospital and for some reason they just show like a guy in a bunny costume for no reason whatsoever <laughs> that could have easily been one of the easter eggs of our dreams but it wasn't it was just something dumb yeah. it was it was it was delirium it was an easter egg you guys didn't know what was it a reference to <laughs> donnie darko or something yeah you didn't know the reference between donnie darko and this movie oh i thought it was a reference to easter I thought it was an Easter egg about Easter. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would be cool, though. I was going to say, it's the wrong rabbit mask. but uh... <laughs> Wrong rabbit. That's Easter bunny in yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. That gave me the same feeling as when um, the the Shining, when there's that like guy in a dog or a bear costume giving that guy a blowjob that you just randomly see for a couple seconds. <laughs> but now I'm wondering, because there were several times when I was a kid, when I actually was the Easter Bunny uh, for community service, I'm wondering how many people randomly caught a glimpse of me and wondering and wondered how crazy that was. Because it was always several weeks before Easter, not at an appropriately close to Easter time. <laughs> eh, probably no one was concerned. Yeah, I mean, you should definitely dress up as the Easter Bunny at the wrong time of year and just stand on a street corner and see who questions their sanity as they see you. Right around Christmas. <laughs> so like basically what it was, was like it's for a group of kids where you'd greet them, you'd uh, ride the train with them, and then they'd go to breakfast at Denny's, and then they take pictures with you, and then you ride back on the train with them. So you just hang out with the Easter Bunny for a morning. <laughs> and now I'm, I'm realizing that I may have looked very bizarre. <laughs> yeah, but you were in a hospital. I did notice in the credits that the bunny was credited as We'll Never Tell. So it may have been you, Chris. It may have been. Who knows? <laughs> All right, folks. Obviously, there are some oddities in this movie. There are some high points. There are some low points. But now it's time for the educational points. Mac, please, with a fact or fiction. Okay. So let's start with number one. 
There are over a hundred human viruses that can spread through contaminated water. True. True. Ooh, is it true? It's probably not human virus. Viruses? It's bacteria. Yeah. It's bacteria. I'm You're go true. Fiction. I think it's fiction too. It's probably fiction, but I'm gonna say fact. Except it's probably fiction because it's actually more than two hundred. And even though both statements are accurate, he's saying it's fact or <laughs> fiction. Okay. All right. Calm down, everybody. It's a fact. Some of those viruses would include hepatitis, polio, and gastroenteritis. Ew. There's a ton. Well, I mean, in this movie, the water just comes directly from the lake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pre-contaminated. Yeah. They could market that. Just just straight through. You know, sometimes you turn on the faucet, you get a fish. Who knows? Yeah. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Now, do they survive lemonade? Ooh. I mean, it survives boiling because they made tea. So this this was a particularly potent strain of something in this movie. Speaking of, number two, flesh-eating disease is typically caused by viruses and not bacteria. Fiction. Fact. Fiction. I'll say fiction, but I also don't know how science works. (laughs) It is fiction. Uh, Flesh-eating disease, a.k.a. necrotizing fasciitis, is caused by things like staph, strep, and, of course, other bacteria. And I've had all of those. Yum. So glad I'm good at guessing about science. Also, I didn't know the CDC was here tonight giving us <laughs> trivia. You should have known, girl. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's talk about movies then, since you don't want to hear from the CDC. Um, number three, Peter Jackson was a huge fan of Cabin Fever and stopped production on a Lord of the Rings film to screen it with his crew. Fiction. Fact. Can I just say that sometimes you guys mention people's names and I feel like an idiot because I don't know who it is. I would like to know how many of our listeners are just like, oh, Peter Jackson. Cool. I know who that is. Pretty much everyone. Peter Jackson is famous for having a neck beard. Um, I'm going to go fact. This feels too specific to be fiction. Okay. It is a fact. Yeah. It's, it's a fact. He stopped production on Return of the King three times to screen it for his entire crew. Damn. Very intense. That's excessive. The only reason I know that is because I was a fan of Lord of the Rings, not because <laughs> I was a fan of this movie. Of course. And number four, the actor who played young Dennis is a real-life black belt. Fact. Fact. Fiction. Fiction. He grew up to be Tiger King. There's no way they got a four-foot-three stunt double who's actually a black belt. <laughs> uh, it's a fact. He was a black belt in Taekwondo. And that's how that segment got into the movie is he was spotted practicing some of his taekwondo and they're like, oh, we got to use that. Ooh, ooh, we got to put him in the movie and make him an unrelevant part of it completely. Yo, pancakes. <laughs> I said unrelevant, but it's okay. It's okay. We're all going to forget it. We're in quarantine. Thank we'll you. forgive you. And number five, Lionsgate Films did not exist when the script for Cabin Fever was written. Fact. I'm going to go fiction for no reason at all. I'm going to say fiction too. I'm going to guess fact because I know he wrote it in college. Yeah, it is a fact. So it was written in 95. Lionsgate did not exist until 97. Of course it was written in 95. That makes a lot more sense. But uh, that's all I have for fact or fiction. Wow, thanks for proving that none of us know anything. All right, thank you so much for that education. I think we're all a little bit smarter when you put on your CDC hat. (laughs) Really appreciate it. Folks, we've said a lot about this movie, and I know that it is looked favorably upon throughout the horror community. So while three of us may have given it a hack... I know Mac and Alexis aren't alone out there. This is probably not indicative of what the actual ratio is. And we want to know your thoughts on this movie. You can reach out to us a number of ways, all of which are compliant with social distancing. Uh, first at our website, www.hackerslash.com. And our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And as always, you can hit us up on the Hackerslash hotline. You can text us, call us, leave us a voicemail or an audio message. The number is 757-606-0128. And if you are, you know, currently let's say locked in the house, not necessarily a cabin, 
trying to stay away from other humans, you can send us an email to feedback at hackerslash.com. We'll see you next time. Oh,